Welcome back, Jordan Callis here, State Shifters Podcast. And this podcast is all about bringing on people who inspire you to live a life of passion and purpose. And man, when I bring on these guests, they inspire me. And I'm learning so much from these people. So I really hope that you guys are getting as much out of this as I am. Um, and today's guest was was it was amazing because I connected with her and I found out that she was actually from uh, my home my hometown. She's actually living in Melbourne at the moment. She's from Perth, and you know she actually grew grew up in an area where I worked my first my first one of my first jobs. So it's really great to connect with a fellow Aussie and a fellow West Aussie. Um, her name's Amber Ward, and you know this this conversation we that Amber and I had like seriously this is. You know, it just really lights me up when I connect with someone who's just doing amazing things. I get so passionate and, and inspired talking to them. And you know, a little bit about Amber. She's she's a she's a consciousness hacker, uh, biohacker, neurohacker. She's she's the full gamut. Um, and she was honestly uh, like shared some really really cool insights. Uh, and it's it's an interview that like really was just felt like I was having a conversation with a good friend. Um, and that's the beauty of it when you when you connect with people who are like-minded and share passions and you, you're able to kind of engage in an active conversation that just brings brings life and energy creative energy out um, I was learning so much from Amber and I'm, I'm super excited to share this one with you guys because there's so much wisdom in here about how you can really upgrade your state of being um, and Amber has really delved into a lot of the different, tools, tactics, habits, hacks to really supercharge um, your consciousness. Um, and it's quite amazing because there's there's so much tools out, there's so many tools out there right now. Um, and, and it's important to just explore and try different things and find out what works best for you. So before we dive into the episode, I've been um, kind of previewing this upcoming uh, launch of my health and wellness offering, which is a, master, uh, a morning routine of mastery. So it's the morning routine that I used to then still use to supercharge my day with passion and purpose before it even begins. You know, I say it before it begins because I was using this morning routine before I got to my corporate job and it would fill me with so much life energy and passion and purpose that, you know, my work didn't actually have to change. It, it, I was already fulfilled through engaging in this morning routine. So uh, I'm sharing that with you guys and if it's something that you're interested in learning more about email me at jordan.canlish at outlook.com or you can just message me direct message me on Instagram or any other social media channel it's at state shifters so enjoy today's episode um, it's an absolute ripper uh, so uh, until next time welcome to the state shifters podcast a show dedicated to helping you discover your true potential through connecting the mind, body, and soul. Okay, Amber Ward, welcome to the State Shifters podcast. How are you? Thanks, Jordan. I'm amazing. How are you? I'm going very well. You're joining me live from Melbourne, uh, my home country. Uh, Melbourne is a city that I, I would say it's my favorite city uh, in the world. Um, I'm obviously here in Toronto and 
you're from you lived in Perth my hometown this is so funny we connected on Instagram and found out that you actually lived um, around the corner from where I had my first job so we probably crossed paths at some point in our life and now here we are on a podcast on opposite ends of the globe so yeah how how is how did it end up that you're now in Melbourne and and you lived in Perth like was it a move that you planned yeah. Um, so at the time in Melbourne, I was running a sustainable art and design practice mm-hmm. and my work started gaining, I guess, more national exposure. And like every creative, Melbourne is known as the hub of creativity. So I'd been drawn to move to Melbourne for a while and for various reasons had stayed. My creative mentor uh, was in Perth and my partner at the time didn't want to move to Melbourne. It kind of moved all over the place. So, you know, the things we do for love. <laughs> and then eventually, uh, yeah, just reached a point in my life and with my work where it was time to go. And I, I sort of sensed that it was a now or never, you know, Perth is a very comfortable place to live. The beaches are incredible. The beaches yes. kept me there for years. So, <laughs> My friends who loved me dearly said, we love you, but like, go. So I just, I literally just, yeah, packed up and moved my world and continued the journey. Good for you. Uh, So maybe give some of the listeners a bit of a background of of what what type of work you do and, and how this journey has begun because you work with people to align their energy with their mission, which I find super fascinating and I want to know, like, this. how long have you been doing this work for and was this something that you've always taken to or was there a, a, an awakening as such that happened in your life? Was it a sudden thing or was it gradual? Please explain. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's been uh, actually all goes back to my journey through creativity and I started, I guess, my my journey when I was quite young. I've been meditating since I was about 15 and I've always been interested in wellness and that started I guess with growing up in a you know nature's best uh, environment through my mom and eating great food and all of those basic foundations and you know it hasn't all been rainbows and unicorns there's definitely been some rocky roads to traverse along the way and when I was working in my creative practice, my work was very much about bringing people into a place of mindfulness through experiencing the work and encouraging people to stop. So it was all handmade work, large scale felt rugs, very tactile works. And through that, I started exploring how can I take this out of a space where I was essentially at that point, making bespoke work for a very sort of closed clientele and how can I reach a greater audience, so to speak, and encourage them to engage with mindfulness? How does our built environment synergize with our natural environment? And through that work, I progressively moved more and more away from making work and feeling like it was my calling to make physical work and to work with people on an emotional level, I guess. And that came through realizing that I'd had lots of experience through my life. So I 
uh, I got my credentials in coaching to, you know, ensure that I was taking people through the right process, although that world never felt aligned for me specifically to, to work as a coach. Um, and not there's no criticism of, of that industry as such, but it, it this something wasn't aligned for me. But I, I had started working within the wellness space and going to workplaces and teaching them about mindfulness and how to integrate that into the day-to-day. And then through some challenges of my own, I had post-viral adrenal fatigue and two very separate but interwoven as everything is instances of very deep grief. So I went into a space deeper into self-care, into self-love, into all of the practices that I'd learned over the years, over by this time, 20 plus years. And I realized at that point that wow, like this, when your back's against the wall, this is where you really realize that these tools are so valuable because I didn't go into a place of criticism of I'm a wellness coach, so how could I end up unwell? I didn't play into those um, negative aspects and realize that I actually don't do negative self-talk. And I really went into a place of allowing myself to heal and and trust what it was that I needed at the time from my toolbox of, you know, to build my immunity, who else is it as a practitioner that I need to see right now or not? Do I need to meditate in this moment? Do I need a to go into a sauna at this moment? You know, what is it within this whole vast array of tools that we have that I need to bring my immunity back up to its optimal self before I can actually continue serving in the world. So, yeah, I went through a a huge journey and that was in itself only within the past two years. And it was a huge turning point for actually really nailing what my mission is and what my strengths are. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by the, the toolkit that you mentioned because... I've spoken a lot about that, you know, that emotional well-being toolkit that we have access to and it's like you just said, it's knowing what tool you should be pulling out at the right time because, you know, I notice, I'm noticing now when I go through challenging periods, it, meditation might not actually be the, the tool that, that suits that that emotional mm. issue that I'm going through. It might be a yoga class, it might be some sort of movement activity or exercise. Mm. One thing that I'm delving into right now that I might bring up because um, it's kind of on topic is I'm not sure if you know, heard too much about trauma hacking. Do you, you, mm. um, someone is bringing this to light right now is, is Mastin Kip. He's a he's a he's a co- he's a coach, but he uses the term trauma hacking, and he says that a lot of people can get caught up in the escaping emotions through excessive meditation, um, self help books, and like yoga. People don't actually address the underlying trauma. Um, through, through this these these toolkits, uh, I'm curious to know your perspective of like, what's your opinion on when like emotion emotional issues come up if they're relating to a past trauma? How do we then w- work through these emotions through the emotional toolkit and not just use them to cover up or mask temporary relief from from these emotions? How do we get to the root cause of them? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question because I think the important thing to consider is that 
all of these tools should be used to get to the core of something and to move beyond rather than bypassing. So even um, without skipping forward too much, if we then go into reaching higher levels of consciousness and how we develop that, it's not about, um, so being say in a positive mindset and a positive state of mind isn't about bypassing. So to go back to the original commentary around meditation specifically, meditative practice, there are so many tools and I think this is the relevance of us trying the different tools so that when we're engaging in a meditative practice, we're using the tool that's relevant at the time, for example, to go into the body and actually ask the body, you know, what is this pain? For example, I shared really openly with you that I woke up with a really terrible headache this morning for the first time and was like, okay, well, I'm going to go into this. And beyond that, I'm showing up in the world as I am today. You know, I'm not a perfect human being that's always in this um, amazing, perfect state of health um, and well-being. The, the, these are actually key indicators that we're holding some tension in our body what is that? So I could use this as, a, as an example and how I use my meditative practice today. So rather than waking up with a headache and saying, oh, I'm just going to meditate this away. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I tuned in. What type, of what type of meditative practice do I want to engage in today? And for what purpose? And so for me, the purpose was to go into the space of the body to really feel where that um, where that pain was coming from that started, you know, the first association was headache, actually, there's this tension in the neck. So to be able to use meditation to go into that and then say, okay, what's the emotional holding here? Or um, what is it that can wants to be heard? And what is it that I can release from this space? And also, I accept myself as I am today. I accept myself showing up in the world 100% as I am today because this is what the world needs. This is how we lead by example in what we do. Mm -hmm. Is there an element of like reframing when you go in there and you ask like what is this uh, negative emotion that I'm holding and you, you see that it's it, – it, say it's a recurring thing. It's a recurring emotional issue that keeps coming up, whether it's relating to like a money issue or, or something, do you create like an element of reframing when you go in there and you feel it and you go, oh, okay, I can see this is a, this is a fear around money. Do you then reframe that emotion? Uh, yeah. So reframing is something that um, I use continuously throughout my day. And it's a big thing in what I teach people how to become aware of our thoughts and reframe. But again, not to bypass. There, there are different things mm, mm. um but reframing is so important in terms of changing our mindset and enabling us to move forward and rewiring the neural pathways gotcha, gotcha. so in this specific in uh, instance of going into a meditative practice to look at say a physical pain rather than reframing it um it may be more what is it that wants to be heard it might just be simplifying for example it might just be letting go or then running through a few breaths of i am enough and that could 
let it go. So it's really tuning into what is it that my body is asking for at this time or what is it that my emotional state is asking for at that time. And sometimes after that, I then might employ something like EFT tapping or another tool to actually help to clear that effectively. Um, with reframing for me in that example, there wasn't necessarily anything to reframe because I wasn't running a negative story. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Important yeah. distinction there. Yeah. Yeah. So say someone was running a negative story. Yeah. How would you then apply the same principles of going into the body, feeling out is what what is this reoccurring story and then how can I then reframe that? That's when yeah. reframing comes into play, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. So that's going into the body, seeing if there's a um, if there's a limiting belief attached to that, or if there's a trauma attached to that, then there's a couple of different ways about approaching that as well. So we can go into the ne- we can go into the limiting belief, get to the core issue of that, and then reframe, or we can also go into a trauma, and we can get to the core issue. And then you can essentially rebuild the story. So go back, right back to when that first incident happened, which is generally before we're five to three years old, Mm -hmm. really goes back to this very early, very first memory of this. When did this start happening? Because these are the things that are created in that defining moment that we carry on through life without realizing. So that is really important. And that's generally where I start. So... Whilst I work as a mentor, I will enter the coaching space from the beginning of my work with people to clear that that limiting belief from the very beginning. Then we can rewrite the story because mm. often, yeah, it's a belief and the belief isn't necessarily what happens. That, that story happened from so many different perspectives, but we've chosen to give meaning to that. And so when we can acknowledge it, go back to where it came from, and then the person actually recreates their story, then that's so empowering in terms of letting go and being able to actually rewrite the story. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, super. Um, yeah, just something that I'm, I'm interested in at the moment and learning more about. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, yeah. I, I will get back to, we'll, we'll rewind a second and go back to you, the work you do with It's Life United. Is that is that correct? Unlimited. Unlimited. I like that. Yes. Um, and you guys do, and it like you help people with their energetic intelligence, um, mm. aligning mission with energy. Do you mind elaborating on, on that? Because it's a unique space and it's a unique field of work that you're in that I believe is going to bring a lot of value to people because it's something that people are starting to tune into now is like, what is my passion and then what is my purpose and how do I align my work with, with this, this energy that I'm feeling that's coming from my heart? Please elaborate on that. Yeah, thank you. So this comes from, you know, my passions, everything that I've been um, brought up with and and really integrated into my life. And I'm very big on teaching people integration. So I'm a huge research nerd, but information is worthless unless we're actually putting it into play. So really the work that I do and and, and the umbrella of energetic intelligence that I've, um, you know, n- labeled it under, I guess, is that we're working with our mind, body, spirit, and our conscious creator ability. So um, what that means is that, yes, traditionally we understand that our mind, 
body and spirit are all interrelated. So if, um, for example, we could be the most dedicated meditator or yogi, but if we're not feeding our bodies well, and if we're not feeding our mind with great thoughts, then we're going to be out of alignment and that's going to affect us in every way. Once we can understand our energetic state in terms of uh, how our uh, how our neurology works, for example, but also how our heart resonance works, then we really start getting into some big business. And then once we can learn to get out of our mind and go into the quantum field of co-creation, then that's next level. And as creatives, you know, I primarily work with high-level creatives. I'm a creative person, so it makes sense that this this aligns. I also come from a, a business background of working in business, so really helping people move forward in aligning what their mission is and how to maintain their, firstly, their energy, how to understand how their mind, body, spirit works. If our, Again, if our mind and body are healthy, if we can run 20 miles and we're eating well, but we're still doing things each day that don't make us feel good, it's not feeding our soul, we're not truly going to get the best out of mm. our potential. Uh, so really, I take people through a process, firstly, of ensuring that mind, body, spirit are operating in a really optimized way and then move them into really understanding their conscious creator ability. Where does that first start? Like what's the first, do you have like a process where if someone comes to see you and they they might maybe out of alignment, say spiritually with their work, say they've got their mind and body in place, they're doing the correct things on a a physical level, but their their vocation or their career just doesn't align yet and they don't know how to do that. Like where do you start that process? Sure. So there is a framework that I work with through a specific program that I've created called Optimize Self Program. And it's different for each person. So that's about uh, us working together to see where that person's at within that balance. And then me really understanding what are the things that that person loves to do but might not be doing on a daily basis that fulfills their spirit. So you use the example of, okay, their their physical state is great, their mental state is great, but it's also going back to basics a little bit and seeing whether they understand how those things are all interrelated to Mm. start with. Yeah, are they aware of, so they're, how do I explain this? Their body might be in a great state, they might be super fit, and they may be in good mental health do they also understand how we can change our states? And then if they they do and they've got all of that happening, uh, but there's spirit elements out and they're feeling, say they're feeling flat, they're feeling disenchanted, they're just not happy, it's really tuning into what are the things that spark the vitality for that person energetically. Yeah, because we all start um, falling into these patterns at some point in our life where we get so busy that we've forgotten about the simple things that bring us joy. Yes, totally resonate with that. Yeah. And joy is the place where, you know, your heart is most resonant and you just, you you see it in people, Mm. you see it in their eyes, you see it in their skin, you feel it in them. So um, it's really about understanding and getting people to tune into that and so 
sometimes uh, my work is a little bit, uh, how do I say this, subversive in that if I feel that the person is a, a very best, a mind-based person, I'll come to understand what the things are that bring them the most joy and I'll get them to start doing those things without them really knowing that that's what I'm getting them to do. Yeah. So it really depends on the the nature of the person in terms of how I get them to implement the things that are going to get them to where they want to go. But there's a process to it. 100%. Yeah, I'm just really resonating with everything you're saying because it's uh, it's something that I went through you know, I, I have a corporate background, so I studied accounting and finance at university and started working in my corporate career as, as a graduate tax accountant back in 2015 at, at um, one of the biggest accounting firms in the world. And I remember it was my dream job. You know, it's the dream job that you land at the time when you when you come out of a, a university degree with accounting. And I had that exact th- thing that you just described there. I had the mind and body piece Put together. I was reading books, educating myself. I was working out, eating healthy. Yet that spiritual component, I, I w- my soul was slowly getting crushed because I would go to work every day and my creativity wasn't being activated. I wasn't doing. I wasn't activating my strengths at all in my work. And it wasn't until I started. It's funny. My, my you mentioned shifting your state. That's what I named the name of my website and blog. It's called State Shifters because mm. when I started having creative outlets outside of my work um, I was noticing this shift in my energy during my day so I was getting up before work writing these blogs um, I would write blog a blog every single day and it would take me an hour I'd write it down and I obviously had activated the creative that creative passion that was coming through me to share the stuff that I was going through and I would get to work and feel this new energy that was just infused into my day and nothing was changing nothing changed nothing changed on an external level but how i did what i did changed because i had this new energy come through and it was that union of mind body soul that really yeah fueled me and i and the way you describe that process is is totally it like i mean if someone is going through something similar to what i went through then that that what you described there that is the process to to uncovering that that gift and i love how you've codified it and and put it into a process and I can see on your site, like I just love the conscious creation element as well. When someone starts to align those three, you get access to that that conscious creator ability. And I love how you put that being you tap into the quantum field and you start to weave all kinds of magic. And I, you quoted Joe Dispenza and I, I knew this was going to be a good conversation because Joe Dispenza is someone who I... I devoured his stuff i went and seen him when he came to toronto a few months ago um and the quote you have on there it says if you're not defined by your vision of the future you remain stuck in your memory of the past do you mind elaborating on that quote for me and why that's so important for you to put it on the website um look i think it's really important and it's something that people often grapple with when we talk about present being in the present how do we be in the present but also be mindful of the future and the one place that we don't want to be, the thing that causes depression in people is being stuck in the past. And the past is, it's done. Like it, it, it doesn't matter. We're here now. All we have is now. And in order to be able to create what it is that we want to create, we also have to be able to think about our future. What is it that we're creating? Have a vision for that. And that vision can be anything. It could be um, that I'm going to go and make the best cup of hot cacao that I've had this week. 
or it can be, you know, I'm going to create an incredible program and co-create with other people so that I can really have some powerful impact in terms of what I feel my bigger vision is. And having that vision and focusing on that vision, when we go into, particularly if we say go into a quantum meditation, this is where stuff starts getting, this is the power of creative energy. So, um, yeah, that's really why I, I used that quote really as the essence of what I feel is most important in the work that I do with people because people find it easy to get stuck in the past. Yeah, people find it easy to go back to, oh, but this happened before, so therefore. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, let's first understand what our negativity bias is and also understand what makes you comfortable, and let's break that. So that's, uh, does that answer your question in terms of why I chose to to use that quote as a conscious creator? Yeah, it does, it does. And like, you know, if someone has like an aha moment and then wake, they wake up the next day and slip straight back into the, their old way of living, like that that's so common now because we're so conditioned to, to live out those past those past behaviors, which is trapped in the body, which is what Joe really identifies in his work is breaking free from just living out old versions of you each, each day. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel really grateful in that, you know, a lot of people fear change and all I've ever known is change. So my life has been, and I believe that that's what we're here to do. We're here to change and evolve every mm. single moment. We're here to grow every single moment, not just, oh, I'm going to grow twice in the year because I've gone and changed cricket teams and I've um, I've read a new book. Okay, so um, for example, not that I'm not that I'm saying they're not valuable things, but if that's all we've done in terms of changing each year, that's that's a pretty slow journey. Whereas we have this potential in this life unlimited to grow every single moment through every thought, through each interaction. And um, yeah, I just, I'm just so passionate about encouraging people that really the only certainty we have is uncertainty. And let's just get comfortable in playing with that. And that just relieves so much anxiety rather than this belief that we've been sold around comfort. If you have a mortgage, you'll have comfort. If you have this, you'll have comfort. And I find it kind of funny that in terms of the collective conscious, I've heard three examples within the last week. Um, myself, Matt Belair, who I listened to your podcast. He's great. Loved, it. Yep. Loved the conversation. He's a great guy. And Connor Moore, each of us have said, well, like, we're out of here. We're selling the Audi. I don't need my car. Mm -hmm. There's more important things to do right now. Mm. Right? And so there's this alignment of people really coming into what's important for them on their greater mission. And um, I think that's where the power comes in to being uncomfortable Oh, sorry, being comfortable <laughs> in the unknown, mm. being comfortable in change. Yeah, that's uh, that's where the magic happens, right? Like, because, you know, I thought back to the corporate job and I see all these people in this corporate system 
where they're changing on an external level. They may be progressing up the corporate ladder, getting promotions, earning more money, external growth, but they're not actually changing internally. There's no emotional growth happening. And I've realized after you know taking my leap of faith and coming out here and following my passion and now embracing this unknown, the, 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 the only known we have is the unknown, and I'm noticing how much uh, internal growth is happening. Even though the monetary component, the external component hasn't arrived yet, the inner growth is happening so quickly. I just know it's only a matter of time before I see that on an external level. And yeah, I just resonate with that fully. Um, and you know, I want to tie this back in now back to passion and purpose because mm. when I align my passions with purpose now, I'm able to find my fears. I'm like trying to identify, okay, what am I afraid to do? And then use fear as my navigator. So like for me as an example right now, like I've always been fearful of criticism, judgment, for me sharing this, being vulnerable online, sharing this stuff. So I'm now trying to share more because that is what I'm scared to do. So that's where I'm going to break down these like limiting beliefs that I have. Why is it so important for people to follow, find their passion and then craft out a purpose? Sure. So I don't know if you've read or heard of the book by Susan Jeffers called Feel Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I've heard the quote. I haven't read the book, so we'll have to add that to the list. Sure. Yeah, it's a great read. And I think that uh, for me, it really aligns with one of my values, which is adventure. So I've been able to embrace fear by I recognized, and this is why I really value these conversations and believe that they're important for other people and thank you for sharing you know your vision with others because it's really important to have these conversations so we're not sitting in the lounge room thinking that we're a freak and the only person who ever thinks these thoughts but I would feel fearful about something and really quickly it would shift to excitement I'd be like I'm going to do that Mm. and so the feeling of fear and excitement are actually really closely related And I encourage people that if they say, I'm really afraid to, I ask them to stop. And I say, is that fear or is it excitement? And they're like, I'm excited about this. So part of that also goes back to the conditioning. When we're feeling vulnerable, I think our natural instinct is to say, I'm scared of that. I'm scared to do that. I'm afraid to do that. A little bit of it. I see as being victim consciousness, if I can be so brave to say that, right? And uh, again, it's not a criticism, but I can see how it's slightly like, it's easier to be a victim in fear than to say, all right, this is uncomfortable, but I'm kind of excited and I'm feeling like this is now what I have to embrace. And so using that energy as a driver to say, this is what I, I need to do right now to grow, Like I really value people like yourself who can tune into that and say, all right, this is what I need to do. I'm moving forward with this and I'm going to use this energy to propel me into this next uh, phase of my evolution. And again, that could be your evolution in this moment. It could be your evolution today. It's not people, people put too much emphasis on everything being this great big thing. But when we can chunk it down, it can happen any moment and it can be really quick. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah. And so that's something that I could also uh, relate to. Uh, you know, I really saw as in the creative field, we, we, we feel that as pre-creative tension. So when we know that we've got a 
a, a big mission, we've just taken on a new project, we might have been given some funding, you've got all of this pressure to perform. And you could sit on the edge and just be like, ah, oh, ah, oh. like it, because everything feels so big. Like I, you know, if I, if I screw this up right now, like that's it, it's all gone. Whereas um, I like to take the approach of just like, just to fall off the cliff and just break that tension and keep moving forward and feel the ride. Yeah. love it. Love yeah. it. Courage is the ultimate antidote to fear. Um, and I, and I realized my courage came when I tuned into a purpose, when I tuned into something greater than myself. You know, if we, if, if we tune into that, then the fear doesn't become as fearful, like, because we know we're, we're not, we're doing it for a higher purpose. Like every time I think before I, I get nervous about sharing something online, I think, think about how many people that could benefit from me sharing this and see past this little like ego self that's getting all nervous and shy you know anytime I think it's like about me that's when I know it's time to tune into my purpose and realize it's not about me you know we're all the same as you we're all sharing this stuff to to help fully inspire someone else to step into their truth so they can live a life of passion and purpose and and speak and, and be feel fulfillment and do a job they're inspired to do like I think that's the ultimate purpose for all of us in this space now is just keep sharing this energy and now that social media and other tools are enabling this to spread more quickly i think the shift in consciousness is happening uh, a lot quicker and it's just it's all going to come down to us being that change and being brave and courageous and sharing sharing the stuff so again i appreciate the work you're doing you're doing great things absolutely jordan thank you and i think you know you've really you've really nailed it there it's when you can move your attention away from yourself and it really being about what's my greater purpose and what I'm sharing and what I'm actually here to do and contribute to the entire um, fear that comes with, um, you know, feeling self-conscious, it doesn't even exist. It doesn't matter. I don't care what people think of me. What I care about is that someone might hear part of this conversation and that's going to be a driving force for them to go, you know what? I'm in, I'm on this ride, I'm with these great people. There's evidence out there that this is, you know, this is real in my world, in my reality that I'm creating and I'm going to jump on board with these people because we're all going for a ride together. I love it. Yeah, I love it. It just gets me excited, I'm telling you. It's it's what it's all about. I just love having these conversations, yeah. so I appreciate that. Appreciate you. Uh, I wanted to... Uh, I'm an uh, I love the energy shift. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, um, I want to bring up uh, conscious um, conscious ha- consciousness hacking. I like that word. You had it on your website. Uh, what does it mean, and how does someone start to hack their own consciousness? Mm, sure. So that's going to mean really different things to different people. And for me, where I've really started exploring. Consciousness hacking is I have been using new technologies more and more like a float tank. Have you have you been in a float pod? Yeah, I've done it a few times. Yeah, amazing sure. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how did – can I just um, do a little sidestep there? How did you feel that that influenced your meditative practice? Interesting. That's a good question. I did uh, – my first float I did 
um, along about three years ago. And I remember it was before I'd really delved into meditation, but I remember coming out of the float. It was like the night, I think it was the, the day before my 21st birthday. And I remember I had the best night's sleep of my life. And then I came the next day and had this clarity and calmness and equanimity about my day. And I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And then when I did my next float a couple of years later, when I was into meditation, uh, I then realized that it was the, it was, it was what meditation also does. It's the Vipassana style of just being alone with my thoughts and seeing them just evaporate <laughs> over time. Um, mm. Yeah, and that sense of oneness when you let go of the body, you kind of lose sensation of the body and it's just you and your thoughts. Eventually the thoughts just disappear and you, you enter that stillness. Um, so yeah, I just took, took, took the same experience and then applied it to my meditation. I try and reach that same place in my meditation through Vipassana style, just mindful awareness of my thoughts. Yeah, beautiful. It was through floating that I actually really started to fully grasp and embody the power of um, meditation uh, within the quantum field. And I entered a meditation where I was just aware that this is it. Like I am just fully floating in space here. In the void, yeah. This being, yeah. So I... You know, it started off as this very, um, you know, real world, like seeing, okay, there's, there's the roof of the pot above me and through that there's the building and then there's the sky and then there's beyond and then below there's like all the layers of like the floor and the dirt and the built environment cool. and, da, 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 and going yeah, into the yeah. core of the earth and, you know, through the core of the earth. And it was just such an amazing meditative experience that, by the, you know, by the end of it, I just, I just was right? I'd become nothing. And, um, and it was awesome. And so uh, through my float center, I started using, uh, they have an Ajna light there. So I don't know if you've heard of Ajna in the US. Um, there's Lucia three light and, um, Pandora star. They're all a similar mm. technology. Interesting. And what they are is it's a strobing light. So you lay underneath this light, which is with LEDs, and they're set to different frequencies. So you can go into theta state. So I've explored quite a lot moving into theta state, Schumann resonance, which is the resonance of the earth, and into gamma, which is just incredible. Um, and and it's really interesting. They have noting, gamma? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, like gamma light. I'm getting really excited. I can barely, <laughs> I can barely sit in my seat talking about this stuff because this is where consciousness can be truly exploded without the use of any other, you know, influences mm. like you know, plant medicine and yeah. um, a lot of things that people are moving into. And they, I can see the benefits that they have in terms of mental health and expanding consciousness. But this, from a pure state of um, you know, being in a completely uninfluenced other than through the way it works is that um, th there's no research on this, but, you know, I'm very big on research, but also research only has, it can only be there where there's funding and where people have an agenda. So we also need to move beyond only validating something through research when I can tell you I've done my own research, which is the whole thing of biohacking or consciousness hacking is for those of us who are experimenting, um, you know, in a controlled methodology within our own practice. Mm. So with 
this specifically, what I started exploring was what happens when I use a theta frequency with a certain type of music. So music is synced with this. What happens in Schumann resonance and what happens in gamma? And there were consistent things that were happening at each level um, that there were also um, sorry, I'm just going to get rid of this thing that's popped up. There were consistent things that were happening irrespective of which I was in. And I realized that in each session, I would see a very specific set of codes which overlaid each other. And so they were code that we know in terms of our number and uh, alphanumeric sequencing. There was also code which... Uh, I would refer to as light language. It was very clearly that I've done my research and I know what the code looks like. And the first time it happened, I just took it as that was the imagery that was happening. Then when it continued to happen and I'd had conversations with other people who've used this technology and their experiences were always different. They might have a vision of something to do with a family member or a something they were trying to resolve. Whereas at that time, when I started experimenting with this technology, I could clearly say that a lot of my my stuff, like I wasn't really working through stuff at the time, you know, I'd, I'd really emotionally felt like, yes, of course we have things that come up. Yeah, yeah. However, I, I wasn't in a process of, of working through stuff. So I felt like I was in a very clear headspace and a very open heart space which is potentially why these other things weren't coming into these journeys. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I've got access to all of my code here. I'm seeing it. I'm actually seeing it. Damn. I'm, right? Yeah. And it's like, I get goosebumps feeling it because I, the first time it happened, I was so high. I left the room and Andy from the center came in and he said, how was that? And I was just like, this is everything. I was so high for hours Yeah. because I was like, this is literally everything. This is stuff that I've been feeling in my dream space. This is stuff that I've been feeling that I've been downloading through the realms However, I could actually see it and therefore I felt like I could embody it. Um, so, yeah, this is something in terms of consciousness where I just kept exploring, like, what is this? And not trying to break it, but really trying to see, like, what shifts this pattern between mm. these experiences. And so the interesting thing that I noted in time was if my meditation was in Schumann frequency – which is a favorite frequency at, of mine at the time, it was very earth, earthbound in a way. So the images, it's very psychedelic. And so the, the principle is, is that it's activating the pineal gland and releasing our natural DMT that's in the pineal gland. Yes. Generated from the pineal gland. So it's a, quite a psychedelic experience. And in that moment, as a meditative practice, you're just there. You're not thinking about, like, you know, what you're going to cook for dinner. Mm. It's just so engaging that you're just there. And what I noticed was that in Schumann Resonance, the imagery was very earth-based in that it's very intense. Very intense colors, very intense patterns. You see colors that you've never actually seen before on this earth plane, which 
is amazing, yeah. but they will show up again and again and again. It's like, where do these colors come from? They didn't just happen once. Like, they keep showing up. And and these these codes and these grids, these, you know, pixelated patterns that keep coming. And at the end of each session, when the lights the light switches off, which is how you know that the session's over, and everything for me would turn to black, and I would get a gold pattern of the flower of life. And it would start as just this kind of large thing until it eventually dissipated to the stardust that we see when our eyes are closed. And again, I was like, fuck, like this is like, this is it. Like this is, this is oneness. Like this Mm. is like collective consciousness, right? Like you can't make this stuff up. And the fact that I was seeing it again and again and again, every single time my session ends. And now it happens for me when I go to bed. You know, this stuff is automatic. Wow. That's where I can go. So I was like, well, this is really interesting in that if I use uh, Arjuna in gamma, which they say is more on a field of oneness where I started noticing that I entered this pure state of flow of oneness afterwards. So clearly energized. Um, the imagery itself is a lot more gentle. It's a lot more pastel in terms of the color intensity. It's just, it's not intense at all. And so a lot of people I've spoken with, they don't like gamma cause they're going for the trip. Yeah. Right. They want something more intense, mm. whereas I'm like, I I really want to get into this, what's going on with gamma. And of course, if you've, you know, you're familiar with Joe Dispenza and his work yeah. on gamma, this is where, you know, this is where the shit gets real, right? Yeah. This is where it's like, I'm prepared to let go of this intense experience because there's intensity everywhere I look. And I really want to explore what happens in this field. So what I noticed was, the code was still there. The layers of information were still there. They were a lot more gentle. And when I came out of the session, uh, again, it would still end with the same gold on black, flower of life. But when I came out of the session, I just felt really calm and clear. I could hit a hill on my bike that I could never hit before. Mm didn't think about it. I was fearless. I, you know, I had a different approach to it. So, um, I can tell you that I had this thing that my friends think are hilarious, but I would ride an extra five K's just to avoid doing a hill on my bike. <laughs> right? A fear of hills. <laughs> I had a fear of hills. And so I rode to my session one day and I was having a chat with uh, one of the guys in the float center. We were talking about this and I was like, yeah, maybe, you know, I just need to do more squats and strengthen my thighs and da da. And he goes, yeah, maybe you just need to ride more hills. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So on the way home, I was like, I'm going home the route of the hill, which happens to be the shortest way home. So why the heck wouldn't I take that route? And I got to the bottom of the hill and I saw this guy next to me pull up on a bike and I'm like, he's totally chilled. He's not contemplating this hill right now. I'm like, I'm going to take this hill with this guy. <laughs> and I took the hill and I gunned it and I was like, you know, eight tenths of the way up there. And I was like, this is done. Like this hill's done. And I was like, this feels so good. And I was just so in flow. It was easy. 
And yeah, mm. I'm just, I'm totally into Gamma. I use Gamma on, um, I don't know if you know of an app called Binaural. No, yeah, I'm assuming it just plays different binaural beats at different frequencies. Yeah, different yeah. frequencies. So you can just set that. Uh, I used to use Gamma to wake up in the morning. I've been an, an owl for most of my life. So yeah. switching to getting up early, which I now love, it was always a bit of a challenge for me. Mm. So I'd wake up, put that on Gamma, it would be going in the background and I'd totally forget about it, just go about what I was doing. So I've been exploring Gamma for a while and using Gamma in my meditative um, spaces as well. So starting with breath of fire, for example, three minutes of breath of fire, and then going into a gamma meditation and now using that within my meditations that are uh, basically around creation and co-creation. That's the state that I want to be in. So you'll set the, like while you're meditating, you'll just set it to the gamma frequency and listen to headphones and then. Yeah. 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 So yes. Yeah, I'm just. So I'll, I'll use. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying I'm just super fascinated. You, the way you just that honestly is the best description of consciousness hacking I've ever heard. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing all that. Ah, you're welcome. Yeah, I want to. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd love to get my hands on one of these lights and just you know do a little tour around the world. I just love seeing, just like it's the potential is amazing and it really brings. That you know, the most important thing about this is uh, my passion is really teaching people about embracing their sovereignty. Mm. And once people can understand, like this is something that's of me and through me, yet beyond me as well, and part of something greater. But when we can actually see it in a physical um, or in a sensory form, yeah, then we can integrate it a lot more easily. Mm. Hundred percent. So just to reiterate, it's a float tank that has strobe lights, and you can listen to sound frequencies in there as well, and you can select. Okay. Which yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I probably didn't explain that well. That's okay. No. So it's outside of the float tank. It's purely oh, a light. Okay. I found this through my float center, who has one of these lights available for their members in a room. So it's essentially a light. Yep. You lay on a day bed with your, you know, your, and it, it sits above. So it, you'll have the light coming above your, your forehead, above mm. your third eye, wear some headsets. They've got pre-programmed music that you can choose from. I use my own music because it's part of what I experiment with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's incredible. It's interesting. It's, it's very similar here in Toronto. I worked at a for the past year, I've been working at a healing clinic um, called Soul7. Um, and Soul7 uses uh, vibrational technology as well. So they use sound, light, and vibration technology. And they use PEMF, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. Very similar stuff to what you just described. Like they have the the lights. They use a meditation um, technology that uses glasses that you wear, that strobe a light, and you listen mm-hmm. to fre- uh, binaural beat frequencies as well as a, ch- a vibrating chair. So you really get that full sensory experience. And it's interesting because I saw a lot of clients come out of their sessions say similar things to what you just had. Um, so this stuff is starting to pop up now more and more. It's just learning how to use it as a tool. And I... I never experienced anything like that, that that you mentioned, but now I'm I'm more inquisitive about using it as a way of really getting that full sensory experience because the power of using frequency, sound and light um, 
can unlock these 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 realms that you're like getting access to i just what like why do you think it's the is frequency is allowing that to happen um because it's shifting our so everything in terms of energy is where is vibrational mm. and so where we sit in our vibrational energy influences our state so that's really the most simplistic way to put that which is why when we have we eat low low vibrational food we have low vibrational thoughts we hang out with low vibrational people how does that make us feel mm-hmm. we eat high vibrational foods we enter a high vibrational state of mind we hang out with high vibrational people how does that influence our reality so i think the other important thing to draw upon here as well is that there's so many realities happening on this physical plane that we call earth right there's not one reality there's so many people walking around in so many different states of reality because we're all tuned in to different frequencies mm. so which station are we choosing to listen to and what are we going to create from that place mm. So this, these tools that you're using, through whether it be float tanks, whether it be the, the light and sound frequencies, they're all just tools to really like just tune up that those vibrational states that we're in, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I used this as an example, I'd really been feeling like I just kind of needed a reset. You know, I didn't need mm-hmm. a reboot, like a defrag. Yeah. I really felt that. And the reason why my floats tend to have the light there is they encourage people to use it before a float so that it helps them to enter a deeper state of meditation. I like to use it after my float. And I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's okay. I lost my train on where I was going with that. That's okay. So like, yeah, if using it in conjunction with things can be a very powerful thing to do because it yeah puts you in that state before you go into a a meditation yeah yeah have you got something has it come back yeah yes it has come back thank you and we we keep breaking up a little bit so sorry about that okay so yeah that that was where my train was going is that at that time i'd actually recognize wow i've just had so much going on i feel like my brain's a bit jammed Mm. and this is where the power of intention comes into play is that my intention was and what i started writing down when i was Uh, exploring these different frequencies is setting an intention before each session as well and so my intention before this first one was just to have a reset just to be present and have a reset and this first session was just visually so intense and a little bit of the way maybe a third of the way in it was so visually intense that I for a brief second came back into mind and thought whoa, is this too intense? Am I going to open my eyes right now? And I used my breathing to stay present. I'm here, I'm safe, and I just literally use breath work. Mm. And then I smiled. So smiling is a technique that I teach people because of how that activates uh, the vagus nerve, how it stimulates the vagus nerve and activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Cool. So within my first practice of this, I was integrating the tools that I knew so that I could stay in that moment. I was like, no, I'm in for this. And at the end, I literally, at the back of my eyelids, I'm going to just move, let go of my mic here. I literally saw at the back of my eyelids like two windscreen wipers moving like this. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is so rad, right? But yeah. 
it's so incredible because it, I was of no mind, yet my mind was there. My intention was in it 100%. Mm-hmm. And this is where it's so such an amazing tool for creatives, right? Hundred oh, percent, yeah. Expand your brain, expand the mind, but also move into this collective consciousness. Mm-hmm. Oh, mate, this is this is powerful stuff, I must say. Um, yeah, the the potential here is 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 crazy. Like, you know, if some, it, would you say this these type of tools and these to- type of uh, you know vibrational tools tuning forks that we're using should someone like you said you were in a very clear emotional place like you were you weren't working through any issues or any emotional um challenges at the time it should someone wait until they're at that kind of you know work through some some darkness before they take part in these in these sort of consciousness hacking tools i think it's being aware of where you're at and if you need guidance through that so um if you're going to uh, if you know that you're working through a lot of deep emotional stuff and it might um, trigger a trauma, for example, um, or if you're um, if you're undergoing psychiatric treatment, then I mm. yes, don't use this. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, unsupervised. So different for different people. Um, I definitely think that if you're going through a process, depending on where you're at that you may need some guidance or, you know, someone to kind of supervise that activity. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Yeah. Similar warnings to do with, you know, psychedelics. If someone's going to dive into a ayahuasca or a mushroom trip, like same deal. Like. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of my clients, I can't introduce all of the things that I use in in my world because it's not suitable for them that it even comes down to you know using qualia and using nootropics it's not suitable for people who are on medication for example so we have to be really mindful that you know i don't just put out a a blanket statement that everyone should go and try these things it's about being aware of what's right for you at the time and that if you're unsure than to speak to somebody who is experienced in that field to see whether it's something you should need supervision with um, or to get clearance from uh, a practitioner that you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, no, well said. And uh, what's your take on psychedelics? Is obviously, are they more of a, you know, they are they're definitely a consciousness hack, but like they come with element, element of risk. Is Are you an advocate for using psychedelics to really hack these conscious states that we're speaking of? Yeah, so obviously, you know, I found a way to um, hack these conscious states um, actually in a psychedelic way without using um, psychedelic drugs, so to speak. Mm. Um, I'm not adverse to psychedelics. I've used psychedelics in the past. I haven't used um ayahuasca or plant medicine that's less of you know it's more available in the u.s yeah um for me i was really interested in going to rhythmia i'm not sure if you've heard of uh, yeah yeah which um you know i'm really interested in the whole journey that they take people through and that being a really safe contained space and and basically Mm. just a a group of conscious Mm. people however i very clearly got the message this year that um I don't need to be there. If someone there. hasn't heard of Rhythmia before, do you mind mm. explaining what that is? 
Yeah, sure. So Rhythmia is a life advancement center in Costa Rica. Um, it was set up by the founder, Jerry, who's an incredible guy. And um, yeah, I encourage anyone who's interested to go and uh, look up Rhythmia. There's lots of interviews on YouTube and discussions that they have in terms of their community. And there's always through their programs, essentially, you know, a, a coaching element through the week, but it, it takes people on a week of, I think it's four nights of journeying if people choose to, um, to, to do that. And they also take people through very intensive breathwork, one-on-one breathwork classes. And it is an incredible thing um, that they've actually created there. And it's the first, uh, the world's first medically licensed plant clinic uh, in the world. Um, the guys really know what they're doing. They do a full assessment of health and, and before when people enter the clinic to make sure that, you know, that they're okay to be undergoing the treatments that they're, go that they're about to embark on. So I think that, you know, these kind of centers where their heart's really in the right place, they have amazing shamanic practitioners coming and working with them, then, um, you know, from my perspective, if that's something that you're interested in, I would encourage people to go down that route rather than, you know, a shack. We know what's happening in other areas of the world right now where, you you know, you might not get a great shaman. Yeah. So... It's about really being aware of all of the different risks there. And also, as a woman, I'm not going to go into the depths of the Amazon to a shaman that I don't know about uh, being on the floor in, you know, a little hut somewhere and feel safe. That's the reality of – that's my reality based on, you know, being in this physical form as a woman as well, right? Yeah. Um, as well as the fact that – what Rhythmia are doing and their mission resonates with me in terms of why they're doing it and how they seek to help people in the world to actually embrace their sovereignty. In essence, they're very much um, aligned with the work that I do. So I really value um, the contribution that they're making. And, and, you know, I would love to go there and I actually thought that I would be there in November this year and other things came up for me as a priority. And I just really got this message because I'd had such a massive shift over the past 12 months specifically on all fronts and on truly like an intimate dimensional level. And I just really strongly got this message that you're, you're doing this, like you, you don't need to, you don't need to be there at the moment. Mm -hmm. And when you're called, you'll be there. And I really trust that when, when I'm meant to be there, I will. And if I don't ever need to be there, I won't. So I don't need to go there to say that I've, you know, been to Rhythmia or, um, so for, so I do believe that for the right people at the right time, embracing psychedelics can really help them shift their states, mm -hmm. shift their conditioning and really see that they are the person who's in the position of authority of themselves. They're the person in response who is responsible for themselves. But with that comes responsibility. And with that comes a responsibility to integrate into the day-to-day. -day. There's no point just going for the trip and then not integrating the tools. And I think that's what's happening on the other side of it. If I were going to critique what I'm seeing happening within that space at the moment is that there are a lot of people going because, you know, they're looking to be enlightened but they've seen the little glimmer and they think they've been through 
um, you know, they think they've kind of been through the tunnel, but that's just like the very beginning. And it's actually about how do we embody this? How do we practice this every day? How do we keep it real, but also from within here? Hmm. Not also not always going out to an external um, point of shifting for us. Yeah, totally. You nailed that. I think uh, I had someone, uh, Ivan Simonetti, on the podcast a few episodes back. He was a psychedelic integration officer and um, counselor, and he really worked with that integration component where you know you, you go on this trip and when if it's, if it's a supervised trip and if you have a good shaman that's with you he will help you with that inter- integration part you know working mm. through what experience you had in the trip or even for your case if you go into a like a situation where you, you have that type of experience how do you then come out and and reintegrate that experience into your everyday life it's like it definitely helps having a coach a guide or someone there who can really help you through that um so Thank you for sharing that. And I want to just before we wrap things up, do you want to give some of the listeners um, a, an idea of where they can find you online if they want to work with you? Like, what are your what's your website and social media channels? Sure, thank you. So you can find me at lifeunlimited.net, and it's U N L T D is the way we spell unlimited. So it's lifeunlimited.net. My Instagram is lifeunlimited. You can find me on Facebook at Amber Ward Life Unlimited. And you can also come and join me at the Wellness Force community, which I'm an ambassador there. And there's some awesome conversations. Josh Trent of Wellness Force is just doing some amazing things. I don't know if you've joined and listened to any of the conversations that are happening over there, but um, for yourself, Jordan, I'm sure you, uh, we would love to have you in the community. Yeah, what, what is it? What is it? Wellness Force? Wellness Force, yeah. So if you go to Facebook and look at Wellness Force Community, there's yep. a private community there. There's some amazing conversations that are happening around all these topics that we talked about today. Um, you know, Josh is a big advocate of Rhythmia and it's just a really great space to really talk about anything to do with physical and emotional intelligence. So you can also find me there. I'm probably most active within that community because it's a really great place to just have conversations within a safe space and yeah yeah amazing stuff i'll definitely check that out i'll be on i'll be on there straight after this um so amber i really appreciate you taking the time out to to jump on a call with me and we've touched you've just spoken about so much cool stuff so much wisdom shared and you know i i'm excited to i know we're going to cross paths again in the future and yeah i really appreciate you being on this episode thanks so much thanks so much for reaching out it was serendipitous it is it is (laughs) (laughs) thanks again take care jordan There we have it, guys. Another episode of the State Shifters podcast done and dusted. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure having you with me. And as always, if you took value away from this episode, please leave a comment or leave some feedback and review on iTunes. That, that really goes a long way and helping me get the word out there about this type of content. Um, and yeah, of course, if you want to reach out to me and leave a message, I'm always willing to chat. So and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.